Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Welcome back to another episode of the Superhumanized podcast with your host, me, Ariana. As those of you who have been following this show for a while know, here we focus on how we can elevate the human experience in all ways. And today we are going to answer these questions. What is the key to peak human performance? How can we achieve our ultimate metabolic potential? Today's guest is the esteemed Dr. Lat Mansour, and he has some very compelling answers to these questions. As the research lead at HBMN and host of its Health by a Modern Nutrition podcast, Dr. Mansour is an expert on metabolic health and optimal performance. With a PhD in physiology, anatomy, and genetics from the University of Oxford, Dr. Mansour's knowledge and expertise extend to the ketogenic diet, the use of exogenous ketones, and their applications for clinical, military, and elite sport organizations. In this enlightening episode, Dr. Mansour shares his insights on how to optimize your speed and power output, support brain injuries or neurodegeneration, and achieve peak human performance. Join us as we delve into the world of metabolic health and learn from one of the foremost experts in the field. We also have a special treat for all of our listeners, and that is 20% off the amazing ketone IQ shots that give you a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. One shot will help you feel clear, focused, and ready to take on the day. Ketone IQ has become an important tool in my biohacking chest for more brain and body power. I like to take it before a podcast interview to get into flow or before an intense workout to optimize my performance. I also find it calms anxiety, which is a nice additional effect. If you want to try Ketone IQ, head over to www.hvmn.com backslash superhumanize to get 20% off any of their fantastic products. And as always, if you enjoy this episode and feel it helps to elevate your life, please give us a rating or review. And if you feel others may benefit from this podcast as well, spread the word, share and help grow our tribe of superhumans. When we help heal one, we help heal all. Much gratitude and love. Yours, Ariana. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Lat, welcome to the Superhumanize podcast. Good Thank to be you. with you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. We actually just had a little chat before we press record, and I learned from you that you are also a, if I may say so, a child of the world. You have very interesting heritage. You speak multiple languages, and I have always found that being 
having been bestowed the gift of growing up in multiple countries and learning many languages, it really helps with connecting with other human beings also outside of our own context. Thank you very much for your kind words. I try. Like I grew up in, in Malaysia, a developing country, and I don't get to even showcase. I love languages. I don't get to showcase that much in my current day job because I'm a research lead. So I talk a lot about science and I that's my passion too. But at the same time, I think the experience that I've gained throughout my life, as well as all these languages learned, gave me a more human perspective in looking at science, in looking at how different people look at their health and interpret their health, especially when it comes to mental health, especially when it comes to how they communicate within themselves, how they communicate with other people, why are certain people having toxic traits or why are certain people having toxic relationships, for example. Understanding the culture and the languages of these different people may be a, an important aspect as much as um, understanding the metabolic parts of it. 100%. And of course, mental health and physical health, as we now know, are so closely linked. And to be able to speak with someone and not at someone, that really requires also understanding where they're coming from, the cultural influences and programming that they may have undergone, which of course influences how we talk to ourselves. And you've already alluded to it. You are focused, your life's mission, if I may say so, is peak human performance. And within that realm, it is the pillar is actually metabolic health. So in your experience and from your perspective, Lat, how would you define the key to peak, the key to peak human perform, performance and what do we need to do to achieve our ultimate metabolic potential? I would say the way I see it, not only we are trying to achieve peak performance, peak performance and disease population, they are both on the same spectrum. One is on the good end and the other one is the not so good end. So the way I break this down is by looking at metabolic flexibility. Mm-hmm. And what is that mean? So metabolic health is closely linked to metabolic flexibility. And metabolic flexibility means that it basically indicates the ability of our bodies to use the correct substrate given a certain situation. For example, if you're sprinting, you'll be probably running on a lot more more glucose compared to fats because glycolysis aids better in anaerobic exercises. Or if you're doing endurance exercise and you get to tap into your fat storage because we just generally store way more energy in terms of calories in the form of fats versus glucose. So that sort of metabolic flexibility and being able to switch whenever we want and having a system that is functional, to me, that is fine-tuning the human experience towards peak performance. Because what we are facing right now with 88% of American being metabolically unhealthy, it just means that our bodies, probably me included, but we are not at the level where we can just switch over substrates whenever we want 
and therefore not being efficient enough to burn the substrates that we provide our bodies. And the reasons could be multiple faults, right? It could be insulin resistance. It could be seed oils. It could be pollutant. It could be a lifestyle, sedentary lifestyle and not enough activity. All of this essentially feeds into a wholesome system in our bodies and cause it to malfunction and cause it to disconnect. So what we need is for different organs in our bodies to connect to each other, right? We have the pancreas secreting insulin, for example, and then the insulin needs to connect with muscle cells so that the muscles can bring in glucose to be metabolized and create energy. And what we're seeing when we have insulin resistance is the disconnect between the pancreas and the muscle cells, for example, because the pancreas says, oh, you have a lot of glucose in your sugar, sorry, you got a lot of glucose in your blood, let's secrete more insulin to pull them in. And then the muscles are like, no, I'm not working, so I don't need all this sugar. I am already full in storage, so I'm going to close the gate and become more insulin resistant so that I don't overfeed my own cells and cause damage. So this is, you're illuminating one aspect of a lot of things that can be ailing us and causing actually this disconnect and can cause us to become metabolically unflexible and unhealthy. So I realized that it would be very different from person to person, and it probably doesn't have a simple answer. However, if we are reasonably healthy, doing well, don't have major issues to clear up and heal first, what can we do to encourage and enhance our metabolic flexibility? First and foremost, always work on the foundation, and the foundation being physical activity, stress management sleep, and nutrition. Those things are literally so close to us as we live that everything else is outside of that circle. So within that circle, we can control what we eat. We can control how often we exercise. We can control our sleep quality, our stress management with many different methods. May it be meditation or breath work or supplements. And I think have that dialed in and your body will automatically be in a much better position to enhance metabolic flexibility. And then once you have dialed that in, then you go further up. You want to add more supplements. You want to add more intensity of physical activity. You want to do more biomarkers tracking with sleep, for example, with Aura Ring and tracking continuous glucose. Then you can do all of that to further enhance the experience. But I think first and foremost, and it's free because we're going to eat, we're going to sleep, we're going we're gonna to exercise anyway. So if you're going to do that anyway, why not do that in the right proportion, in the, you know, within the right time, and really fine-tune that whole experience in terms of those aspects? Yes, I agree wholeheartedly, Latin. That is also something, whether friends and family come to me or some people in the audience have questions and reach out via social media or the website, this is cover the basics first. That's the absolute number one priority. And then you go from there. You have a PhD in physiology from Oxford, and you are really well-established and well-known within this paradigm of metabolism. And I would like for you to share a little bit of your backstory 
got you inspired inspired to actually going into this field, Lat? Oh, how long? How much time do we have? <laughs> as much time as you would desire. So when I was in high school, I actually wanted to be an astronomer. I was so fascinated with space and this nerdy child. I'm like, oh my God, space and stars and all this. And then I realized, and this was back in Malaysia. I was born and bred in Malaysia. And then I realized in terms of career prospect, there is not a lot of space-related careers based in Malaysia. So then halfway through, and I started learning about genetics, and I was like, oh my God, this is fascinating. And then that was when I pivoted into biotechnology, and I did my biotech undergraduate in University of Nottingham in the UK. So that was my first time living abroad. And right after that, I was like, just a degree is not enough. Let's go for more. But I'm not sure if I want to do a PhD because that requires a whole lot of commitment. So let's apply for a master's first. So I did apply for a master's at Columbia University in New York. I was very lucky and grateful to to be accepted, even without GRE, because that master's in biotechnology course, the GRE was optional. So I got really lucky. And then I did my master's in biotechnology, but more focusing on drug development and clinical trials and learning the ins and outs of healthcare industry in general and the pharmaceutical industry. And then right after that, I wasn't sure still with the PhD. So I was like, you know what, let's start working first and start earning money and see where we go from there. And I managed to land a job in a pharmaceutical company called The Medicines Company. And I was in clinical trial, clinical operations. So I was helping people with the site trials and the filing and all of that and referencing. Six months later, I got promoted full-time to be an analyst to consult with hospitals to help them improve their critical care pathway. And that was when I moved to Germany for a year in Munich. I was at Stiegelmeierplatz at the office there. And we even consulted, I think, Vivantes, which is a big hospital in Berlin. And I had the opportunity to travel to a lot of places. We went to New Delhi. We consult with the hospitals there and help with hospitals here in the US as well. And then during that time, that one year I lived in Munich, I was really inspired by the people that I worked with. They have a PhD and they were also very entrepreneurial, very business-minded. And I decided to apply for a PhD instead. And I got into University of Oxford, which I was very chuffed by because it was near Christmas. I remember getting the email and it was the best Christmas gift ever. And I started my PhD in physiology, anatomy, and genetics, specializing in cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So I looked at the heart metabolism of type 2 diabetics, in, especially in hypoxia, which is low oxygen environment. And then after my PhD, I worked in health tech and primarily in diabetes management program, and then in diagnostics in around blood tests and using chatbot to interpret the results. What was back then, and not as ChatGPT, but just trying to help people in Malaysia, back in Malaysia and Southeast Asia, understand their blood test results before they go see their doctors. Mm-hmm. And then Excellent. I got, yeah, mm-hmm. and then I got introduced to HVMN. And then they flew me in 2019, met the whole team and gave me an offer. And in August 2019, I started my job as the research leader of HVMN. I've been leading the $6 million grant or contract with the Department of Defense in the U.S., using exogenous ketones to improve cognitive and physical abilities in hypoxia. And again, when we deal with low oxygen environment, that was where my expertise comes in. And also my expertise around metabolism and physiology 
was very helpful. And I basically oversee any research collaborations with universities, researchers, and now I run the HVM podcast as the main host as well. Yes, an excellent podcast. And thank you for giving us this overview. You've covered a lot of territory. And obviously, you're very good at what you do. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you do with the Department of Defense a little bit later as well. Uh, if I am correctly informed, you also have very personal motivation for the specializations that you actually devoted your time to, especially with regards to diabetes and cardiovascular health, right? There is some family history there. Could you share a little bit about that with us? You've done your homework. <laughs> I always do. Yes, of course. And I appreciate that, Ariana. My, my personal motivation, I've always grown up being overweight. I was always been I've always been in an overweight sort of family. My father's side has high prevalence of cardiovascular disease. My late father, he passed away from stroke. Uh, he had a heart attack a few years before that and he had an open heart surgery. My mom's side has really high prevalence of diabetes. Almost all my aunts have diabetes and being overweight and all of that. So metabolic health was something that both my families are not very good at. So I don't have the best genetic disposition. But at the same time, as I went through all these education and started learning about physiology and metabolism, I realized how much we can actually change our health despite our genetic makeup. And that was why I made a video as well, like a few weeks ago on the doctor from Harvard that says the number one cause of obesity is genetics and there's nothing mm -hmm. they can do. And I absolutely disagree because that basically cuts off hope to a lot of people and just make people go on semaglutide for the rest of their lives. And that is horrible. Genuinely think that most people, they don't know that they can change because the experience is myself that I grew up like that. I grew up looking at people who are heavier, thinking that is the normal eating habits five times a day with high carbs like meals in Malaysia and I thought that was normal so right. I thought growing up like that's what I'm gonna be doing that's what I'm gonna look like that's what that's how I'm gonna die and not until I, I left Malaysia went overseas but I have to cook myself cook for myself I have to when I have more control over my life that I realized there's so many things like we talked about earlier the foundation of life that of a healthy life that you can work on exercise, sleep, and stress, and you know nutrition, all of it, you can dial that in. And ultimately, our bodies are our own experiments. We can just mm -hmm. trial and error. We have a whole life ahead of us to basically try and see what works for us, what gives us better results, what makes us feel like shit, what makes us sleep better, what makes us not sleep better. That's when you know your body best. I always tell people, you are the PhD of your own bodies. Absolutely, Lat. And I am so glad you also put up that video you spoke about because it's not just about people becoming hopeless when they hear, oh, there's nothing you can do. It's all genetics. I also believe it's not true. And we know it's not true. We can change so much. So much is in our hands and making people feel powerless is completely counterproductive. And if you were to assess the, let's just 
we can talk in general terms or about the U.S., for example, if you were to assess the state of metabolism today, what would your diagnosis be? I think the trajectory has always been going towards the bad. We have seen the increase in processed food, the increase in use of ingredients that are just fillers that are no of no nutritional values and the statistics of chronic diseases has skyrocketed in the past few decades and it continued to do however for the better or for the worse because of the pandemic because of covid i think people are starting to see the severity of being metabolically unhealthy Mm -hmm. because people who were metabolically unhealthy got it way worse and they see their loved ones get affected. Yes, I agree there are exceptions. There were young, healthy people who got COVID and just dropped dead. There are cases like that. But in general, a big majority of people who, was, who suffered throughout the pandemics, the pandemic year and 2020 are the ones who are smokers and obese people and people with diabetes and they have way higher complications when they get COVID. So I think people are starting to realize there is something that we need to do in order to prevent anything like that from happening in the near future should there be any uh, another breakout. So that's why you and I, we're doing our podcast, we're doing our content, do our part in spreading the news and spreading the knowledge and spreading the information so that people can be more aware of their health, but also they can take certain steps easily within their own reach in order to maintain, if not improve the health. Absolutely, Lad. And uh, nothing makes me happier than when I get feedback from someone who says, oh, this and that episode or this and that information that your guest presented really changed my life for the better. It makes my heart smile from one end of the universe to the other. And that's just so fulfilling. And it's so important And simply to also give people the feeling back that, yes, they have power. They can do something about their state of mind, about their state of physical health. So talking about metabolism, I'd like to go a little deeper into the subject matter that is really your expertise, expertise, and a lot of people in the audience will already be well aware of this, but I want to start in a way so that also people who are on the beginning of this journey can understand what we're going to get into. Can you give us an overview about ketones and what the different types of ketones are, talk about exogenous ketones and how they differ from endogenous ketones. And so can you give us a basis? Perfect. That is perfect. So ketones are an ancient superfuel. Let's start with that, right? Why is it ancient? Because our bodies have been engineered, have been evolved to be able to produce ketones and metabolize ketones. The reason most people do not have ketones in their bodies right now is because of the high sugar, high insulin condition that their bodies are at. So when insulin is present, you can't produce ketones. So what are ketones? There are three main ketone bodies that our bodies produce that are are acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. Beta-hydroxybutyrate is the main ketone body that gets circulated throughout the body. 
and get metabolized for energy. So it is the same like glucose or fats or protein. It produces energy in our mitochondria. And mitochondria being the super house, the super, yeah, the factory that produces all the energy in the cells. When people check their ketone, blood ketone levels, that's beta hydroxybutyrate that they are checking when they prick the finger. And when they, when the people are checking the breath, they're checking acetone and urine strip usually is acetoacetate diester. Sorry, acetoacetate. Yeah. What is more accurate would be the beta hydroxybutyrate. And this is what I'm just referring to is endogenous ketone. And that happens when you are very low on carb storage. So you can achieve that via intermittent fasting or ketogenic diet. So when you starve yourself, you deplete your glycogen, which is a carb storage. You deplete your glycogens, you deplete your glucose. You have very low baseline glucose and also very low insulin. That's when your liver starts converting fats into ketones. Same thing when you are on ketogenic diet, you restrict your carb intake significantly, you also kickstart the ketosis. The process of producing ketones is called ketogenesis. And that's when your liver produces endogenous. So endogenous means inside, in, internal, endogenous ketones. And for a long time, we have been using ketogenic diet to treat epilepsy because we know the effect of ketones brain on the brain and both signaling and energetic point of view. And because of that, we are looking at a fuel that has been preferred by the brain and by the heart that has been shown in studies in both animals and humans. So we're like, okay, so our bodies do prefer ketones. Why don't we make more ketones? But then that puts us in this restrictive position where we can't eat carbs or we have to fast all the time. And some people who were on keto diet for years, they are so keto adapted, they feel so great. But there are certain people who says, after a long time, I can't be on keto anymore. Like I, I have certain dysfunction that comes with it, my skin or whatever, that my electrolytes are imbalanced. So I think it depends on per, from person to person. But certainly we've seen positive results when using ketogenic diet to deal with diabetes via Verta Health. They did very well in reversing diabetes, obviously epilepsy and all that. About 20 years ago, the US government funded us research with NIH trying to come up with a superfuel to help military personnel on long and demanding journeys. And the funding body is called DARPA. And what happened was they can't look at fats or sugar. So they looked at ketones as a new source of fuel. And that was the research that has been going on for the past two decades. And they came out with ketone esters. So that is the first exogenous ketone, if you would. But obviously before that, I believe ketone salts have been out for a while. So now we are in the realm of exogenous ketone, external ketones that you can directly ingest, you can directly consume in order to raise your blood ketone levels or the blood BHB levels. So ketone salts are essentially beta-hydroxybutyrate bound with any salts, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and you just drink them. In powder form, you mix it. And the problem with ketone salts is that it doesn't raise your blood BHB to a high enough level for performance. And you cannot just increase the dose for a dose response because as you increase the dose, you are also increasing the salt load and you will increase the risk of getting GI issues. Mm -hmm. In 2017, HVMN, our company, brought the first ketone ester into the market. And what ketone esters are is BHB, 
bound with butane diol in an ester bond. And that molecule manages to raise our blood ketone levels up to three to five millimolar, which is huge. And there are quite a few studies that show that ketone esters increase performance. But there are also a few studies that show there is no increase in performance, but it is certainly not detrimental. What they have also seen is because despite the blood BHB up so high that it drops the pH of your blood, meaning it increases acidity of your blood. And when your blood acidity increases, what they've seen is that the athletes will breathe harder, they will have higher breathing rate and heart rate to try to expel carbon dioxide in order to balance the pH. So as a result of that, they get an increased perceived rate of exertion without the improvement in performance. So in other words, they are feeling that they are working way harder without the advantages in performance. 2021, we decided to come up with a new exogenous ketone product, which is this, that's Ketone IQ. It is essentially just butane diol. So earlier I said it's BHB bound with butane diol in an ester bond. We just took half of it, which is butane diol, and made it a drink. And there are three reasons for that. One is the taste. Ketone ester tastes very bitter and butane diol is much, much easier to flavor. <laughs> Secondly, the cost. Ketone ester costs about $25, $30 per 25 grams. And this costs uh, $10 per 25 grams. And then the third is the pharmacokinetics. So as I said, if you spike it too high, you get acidity of the blood and you get increase in perceived rate of exertion. Whereas this one, it goes up slowly and it stays up for quite a long time. In our internal study, we saw an increase up to 2.5 millimolar, stays up beyond 1 millimolar up to 6 hours. That is the current state that we are at. And there are quite a few ketone esters out there. There are no, because what I just described was a ketone monoester, which is one bond, one molecule bond bounded, bound with another molecule. There are ketone diesters these days. Other people are making all these different synthetic molecules because they are patentable, they're new molecules, so you know people can monetize them. Whereas iron 3 butane diol, they have been around since 60s, 1960s, and been tested, so we can't even patent the molecule itself. So we believe in that when no one can patent it, it will be cheap, and we just get profit out of volume because I think this, like just people knowing about ketones and taking ketones and feeling the difference, will allow us to move the paradigm forward. It's every 10 years or so, there is a new creatine, there is a new collagen that shows benefit to human health and more and more people start adapt, adopting to it. And it's not something that's like super expensive and patentable and all of that. It's essentially something that people can just buy a big tub, put in the kitchen, have it on a daily basis and get a better health. And mm-hmm. if that helps them complement their the foundation like we talked about earlier absolutely and the the profits or the benefits for the individual and also for the collective for the society are huge that you can't put a price on it when people become more productive physically and also mentally when they deal less with issues of certain diseases that it's it's a no-brainer in my mind i'm sure there's a question that some people that are listening to our conversation right now are having it. I have it. So do, do you need to actually be on a keto diet to experience benefits with 
exogenous ketoesters? That is definitely one of the most common question that we get asked because when you hear ketones, you're like, oh, I'm not on keto diet. Can I drink this? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Yes. So the whole point of exogenous ketone is that we don't need to restrict our carbs or be fasting in order to get the benefits of ketone. Mm. We can directly just get in ketone. So think about it like protein, right? You might not be on a high protein diet, but if you have whey protein, it's just more convenient for you to get enough protein throughout the day. Uh, that's the same thing. So if you're on a ketogenic diet, you can still be on um, exogenous ketone to raise your ketone level higher. Or some people prefer to be on a cyclical keto diet where they are on keto diet and then they are off and then they get back to it and they use exogenous ketone to really prime their body to increase their keto production or even metabolize keto more efficiently. The answer is yes, absolutely. If you're not on a keto diet, you can still drink ketone IQ. Excellent. And so you already talked about some of this, obviously athletic performance, endurance, what are some of the other benefits metabolically for using exogenous ketones? So one of the main thing why we have been doing so well, even though we just launched early last year, mm -hmm. is the subjective feel. It's people can essentially feel the difference within minutes. Mm -hmm. And that is what got people buying it, subscribing it, and telling their friends about it. Because mm -hmm. they have never felt something like this. It's like a mental alertness, some cognitive enhancement that is not quite the same as caffeine, for example, because it doesn't give the jittery feeling. It doesn't give the anxiety. It's just you being focused. And I drink it every time before my podcast. Mm -hmm. And it really helps wire my brain up. People use it before workout for performance. People use it after workout for recovery. Some people use it before bed for sleep, but that has a been shown to have significant results in studies yet, but some people claim that's their before bed ritual. I think a big part of it is just cognition and the way when we first started marketing it, we were looking at all these different aspects of benefits, right? Like performance, recovery, cognitive, mental clarity and all of that. But then it boils down to one thing. It's the brain's preferred fuel. It's the brain's super fuel. So any activity that requires you to use your brain, be it physical activity, daily work tasks, you're using your brain. So you providing ketones to your brain essentially gives your brain the energy and also the advantage that it needs in order to complete your tasks in a very smooth manner, in a highly performative manner. And with your particular product, so what would you say is a good dosage for a regular day? You said you like to have one before you do a podcast, for example, or before workouts. Like, what is the lower so, limit and what's the upper limit of what so you So the big bottle has 10 doses, has 100 grams of butane dial in 350 mils, plus minus. So we recommend one dose is 10 grams, so it's 35 mils. But nowadays, we are also available in Sprouts Nationwide and Earth Bar. So we also sell these little single serve shots that people can buy and just down that shot. <clears throat> and that shot contains also 10 grams, but in a more diluted ma manner. It's just people find it more convenient to carry it around, especially athletes. If they're running, they can just take out from the belts or pockets and crack one up, just drink it rather than carrying a whole big bottle. So I usually drink just one dose, like 35 mils from the big bottle 
before podcasts and before workout. Some people drink a way higher dosing, two doses before workout, just to get that ketone level high enough. So I would say once you buy it, if you have a ketometer, great. Like just test it. Test where you want your blood ketones to be because good thing about exogenous ketone is that increase in blood ketone levels is very predictable and it's very dose dependent. So as you increase the dose, you will see an increase in blood ketone levels. Some people don't want that high. Some people just want slight amount of ketones throughout the day and that's fine. So I... At the end of the day, I would say do not, what we tell people is like, do not exceed three doses per day. That's our FDA gross instructions. But we have had a lot of athletes who definitely drink more than three doses per day because they are also exercising and they're burning off the ketones really quickly because one dose is only 70 calories. And if you drink it before workout, you will, and then you measure your blood ketone levels like an hour, two hours after you will see a drop after as well. So we know that the body will be burning it. And even if you're not, and that's the beauty of this, even if you're not keto-adapted or not on a ketogenic diet, you can see your ketones go up and then go back down, meaning your body is actually using it. Evolutionarily, we have all the genes, all the enzymes that we need in order to, one, produce ketones, and two, to metabolize ketones. That is just in our genetic makeup. So you don't need to worry that this is something that is a synthetic molecule, that is a foreign molecule that you're putting into your body. Your your body creates your own ketones. Even when you work out to a certain extent, it produces a small amount of ketones, even if you're not fasting. Super. And I'm really excited because I have sprouts and also Earth Bar right around the corner. Uh, I'll send you some. I'll send you some after this. Yay. I would love that. Absolutely. I'd love for you to try and let me know your feedback as well, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lot. And I'll send you a link to some of our products. We have fantastic oral spray, vitamins, supplements, mushroom tinctures. So we'll do an exchange. Yeah. If you wish. Of course, we'd love to. So we talked about enhancing our abilities, our capacities by using exogenous ketone esters. So I'd like to hear your take about what the future might hold for treating various illnesses with exogenous ketones. This is a super interesting area because it's not so much the future anymore because we are already seeing a lot of studies in a lot of therapeutic areas using exogenous ketones. We have Alzheimer's disease. I published a paper early last year on potential use of ketones and lactate for traumatic brain injury uh, and as an extension for neurodegenerative diseases as well. We have had quite a few studies on cardiovascular disease in animals. So it has been shown to really mitigate the hypertrophy of the heart after a heart attack. It has now, Dr. Chris Palmer, I don't know if you know him, he's a professor from Harvard and really pushing the idea that mental health is essentially metabolic disorder of the brain. And he has been treating patients with ketogenic diet. And I had him on HVMN podcast and I asked him, is there any place for the use of exogenous ketone in this? And he said, yeah, absolutely. But there are certain aspects of ketogenic diet that may not be replicated with exogenous ketone because as you would see it, it, this is like a biohack, right? And your ketones go up and it will go back down. Whereas if you're on a ketogenic diet, you're on ketosis way longer. So we have all these different areas already. And then there are some studies coming out of University of British Columbia in Canada 
that looked at diabetes and obesity on the glucose lowering effect of ketones. So if you drink it and if you have a continuous glucose monitor, you will be able to see your blood glucose drop within one to two hours after drinking ketone IQ. So that Mm. has been shown to be very consistent. And imagine people just can take the supplement that is good for health, good for your brain, instead of taking a drug like metformin. That is the future. That is the hope that we want or the future that we would love to create, the world that we would love to create is to make ketones more ubiquitous and affordable, not only for the US, but for the other parts of the world. Like I have friends in Malaysia who would love to distribute it in Malaysia, given that the chronic disease rate is going up and people are starting to be more aware of their health status and all of that. And it's, it'll be good to actually have this product all over the world and, and people actually enjoying the benefits out of it. Obviously, we do need to still improve the taste and we are working on it. It still doesn't taste sugar water, but it's certainly it's a step up from ketone esters. This is all wonderful news you're sharing here with us, Lat. And I found also Dr. Palmer's assessment that mental illness is actually a metabolic disorder of the brain, hugely interesting. Obviously, there would be a difference between metabolic brain disorders versus, let's say, PTSD or depression caused by very traumatic events. That is perfect. That is exactly how he explained it. He said there is the metabolic dysfunctional parts of mental illness, but there are also mental illness that are caused by trauma. And in that sense, he would treat it differently. Yes. But, and if, but if you look at the huge amount of people where their whatever issue they're dealing with mentally is actually not trauma caused, and to be able to bring relief to them with such a, in essence, simple thing as exogenous ketones versus putting them on SSRIs or whatnot for the rest of their lives, which actually doesn't even get rid of or resolve the root cause. And also something else I find found super fascinating, and maybe you can speak a little to that, is the links between, and you have family history there, the links between diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Yeah, that was my whole PhD as literally looking at link between cardiovascular disease and diabetes and how if you have diabetes, your risk of getting heart disease is way higher. And if you survive the heart attack, your risk of developing heart failure is also multitude times higher if you have diabetes. And that falls into the dysfunction around metabolism and how your heart is not able to switch over to glucose versus fat or vice versa in the most in the most intense or chronic situation where your heart needs to be able to switch that. Yes. And of course, a completely different disease that afflicts so many is cancer. And there's quite a few voices who have, you're talking about that cancer is also a metabolic disease. What's your take on that? We actually have had quite a few researchers who reached out to us and bought some ketone IQ to look at cancer, cancer research. In fact, I think there is a doctor at UC Davis, no, not UC Davis, sorry, UC San Diego that looked at liver cancer and breast cancer. And he found time-restricted feeding in animals really decrease the size of the cancer. And then he looked closely, okay, fasting helps, but is it calorie restriction? Is it the insulin lowering effect? Or is it the ketones? And he managed to isolate that is the ketones that's helping. 
So then the next step for him is to then induce ketosis via exogenous ketones. I haven't heard from him for a few months, so I think the experiment has been going on now. So he got a new grant. So it's super interesting to look into that because we know for a fact that cancer cells, they do love glucose in general because they tend to be further away from, from blood vessels, from the immune system. And therefore, they would make use of glycolysis, which is independent of oxygen. And that requires a lot of glucose. Now, of course, there are certain cancers. There are so many different types. And I'm not an expert on it, but I think there are some cancer types who may be an exception. But generally, a lot of people, they think if you starve your body off glucose and just working off of fat and ketones, cancer cells would ultimately not have enough resource to sustain itself. But I think a lot more research is ought to be done and tell us the full story. And it's very interesting how different cancers behave differently. You would expect that as well because different cancers come from different organs and therefore different cells and different cells behave differently anyway. But whether or not we need to collectively define the mechanism of action of cancer or do we need to actually separate them and look at them at, uh, uh, on the different sites of cancer and then knowing that they have different mechanisms of actions and different progression disease progression, that would be very interesting. Absolutely, yes. And on another note, I would like to hear from you in which ways that we can take influence on our biological aging and maybe extend our life and also health span. Right now, we already have seen a tremendous significant increase in, in life expectancy since quite a few decades ago. But the problem we are struggling now is not how to live longer, it's how to live healthier for longer. And I think that is the key here to really maintain, if not improve, the quality of life as we grow old. Because as we grow older, obviously the risk of developing all these diseases, cancers, obesity, cardiovascular disease, will all increase dramatically. So I think the key here is how do we make sure those risks will either stay stagnant, not increase, just ultimately be able to combat whatever symptoms that develop later on in life easier so that we can still carry out a full, you know, high quality lifestyle. 100%. And that's also interestingly enough, I spoke to a Another guest, Dr. Stephen Alstad, who is a incredible biologist and studies aging, and that's exactly also what he says. So I would like to know to button up this really interesting and thought-provoking conversation with some, maybe you have a practice that you can share with us, something that has elevated your human experience mentally, physically, and or spiritually, obviously, exogenous ketones as a big foundation of your health and your work, your mission. Is there anything else you could share with us? I, like you said, first and foremost, definitely ketone IQ has changed how I view ketones in general and how I incorporated it into my daily lives. But I think what I have picked up recently would definitely be meditation, I would say. Um, meditation really helped with my mental state because growing up in Asia, better value, better worth. But those worth is not 
what we talk about self-worth. Those worth are always tied to objective measures like what school do you go to? How many degrees do you have? How much do you earn? What house do you have? And as a result, I didn't realize until so late in my life that my self-worth is still a child that hasn't been developed. And I think meditation really helped me cultivate that child into an adult. And that was so important for me because I realized how much our mental state, our mind, our brain is as good as your muscles. If you go into the gym five days a week, train your muscles to develop in the way you want, meditate and train your brain in the way that you want to manifest it. And to me, that was such a powerful revelation last year when I started practicing it. I finally feel for the first time in my life that my body and my mind was aligned because most of the time we power through in life, especially when we are ambitious and we want to succeed so bad, we power through, right? Life will be hard and we tell ourselves, this will be hard for now. It will be better later. You just have to power through. You just have to get this degree. You just have to get this job. You just have to work through this project. And the deadline is tomorrow. And after that, you'll be fine. But then the cycle continues. But for the first time ever, my mind and my body was aligned and that I can just see it so much clearer. Say to myself, no, you got to take care of yourself too. You got to be wary of your mental state as well. And you got to manage your stress as well. Because while you can physically power through, because of the stress, you might not be able to power through long enough for you to live a high quality life when you're old. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing this lot. And is there a particular form of meditation that you practice? I do. I have, I do a guided meditation from Joe Dispenza, but then I also incorporate loving kindness meditation from Spirit Rock Foundation that's based here in the Bay Area. So I find that very helpful because there's so many things in the world that we see today that will make us angry and social media and the news and make us hate each other and make us really not like this individual. I don't even know this person and I see their social media. I'm like, why do they say this? And why are they so hateful? And then I hate them as a result. And I think that love and kindness meditation helped me tune out those voices. First and foremost, appreciate and love myself, but then also give me room to love people around me unconditionally and just generally wish them well. And I know there's a difference as well because I was watching another podcast and they were saying that a lot of people, when they go through this journey of self-discovery and loving kindness, sometimes they're using it to numb their own feeling. So I think the key here is to acknowledge your feeling. If you are in pain, if you are in suffering, do acknowledge that because that is yourself as well. Like You don't need to kill that part of yourself in order to move forward and be stronger. In fact, if you acknowledge it and you nurture it, and learn from it, and then learn how to love yourself despite all of that is what makes you a stronger person. That's very wise, and it makes ourselves a stronger person, and it also gives us the capacity to love others with their imperfections and faults and weaknesses. Beautifully said. Thank you a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. For people who would like to connect with you or find more out more about you, also about Keton IQ, how can they do this? Well, they can find out about Keton IQ on our website, www.hvmn.com. 
We are also at HVMN on all social media. And you can find me personally at Lat Manso, L-A-T-M-A-N-S-O-R on all social media as well. And check out the HVMN podcast. Like yourself, I have learned so much just from interviewing all these different experts because one person can never be an expert in everything. And I never claim that I'm like the smartest person on earth, but I certainly am learning so much and I can't wait to share it with the world because coming from a humble background like myself and being able to make it here all the way to US and on a global scale and really affecting people and impacting people's life in real time, I am very honored and I am very grateful. These people don't realize that they are also the ones who inspire me to then work out more and live healthier. It's not just me thinking I'm superior, therefore I'm sharing knowledge. No, it's me sharing knowledge that I've learned. You practice practicing it and you doing it and you are now inspiring me to do better myself. I feel exactly the same way. It is such a joy and such a privilege to be able to learn from others and then to share it and hopefully give people tools that will elevate their experience on this beautiful world that we share and maybe even elevate our collective experience as well. That's why I'm so passionate about this. When people feel better within themselves, mentally, physically, spiritually, they'll treat themselves better. They'll make better decisions for their close circles, their loved ones, and also collectively. So that's why I'm so passionate about this. And I'm so glad we connected. And I'm so grateful you shared from your wisdom the scientific wisdom, the spiritual wisdom. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Superhumanized Podcast Lab. No, I am so grateful that you guys reached out and it has been an honor to be on your podcast. And this conversation has been very lovely as much as it was very, it's just so natural. Like time flies, time just flew. It was, you made it so easy. And thank you so much for having me, honestly. Absolutely. And I hope we'll also have a, Part two at some point, because I, I do know we only scratch the surface. Yes. And we have a few studies that are, that's coming out as well. So I would love to talk about those studies once they're out in a few weeks. Super. We will do that. Have right. a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much, Ariana. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 